Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Know me or know my name. My name is Dale Locke, and I'm the lead and founding pastor of Community of Hope Church, and uh, a church that has been in existence with my family starting it in the fall of 1996, launching officially on March 30th, Easter Sunday, 1997. So today marks the 25th anniversary uh, of our church. This year marks the 25th anniversary. <laughs> Praise God. And uh, in all this time and in all this history and across all these years, we believe that God has given to us at our church here at Community of Hope on any campus a really unique mission and a unique assignment. We believe our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ. It's going to show it right here any second. It's going to show it. There it is. And Jesus Christ, and to grow together into full, more into fully devoted followers of him. And if you've been around our church for any length of time, you know that a part of our strategy involves a local church in a local community being taught and led by a real-life local pastor. And so, of course, out here, that means Pastor Trevor and myself in Loxahatchee. Uh, over in West Palm Beach, it involves Pastor uh, Jose and Pastor Ephraim. And then over in Lake Worth, it involves... Involves Pastor Brandon, and so um, this is an exciting day for us today. And uh, this morning and uh, uh, this month, we are starting a new series. We're calling the series "Word of God Speak." Say it out loud with me: "Word of God Speak." And uh, what we're going to be doing across the next five Sundays is we're going to talk about scriptural engagement. We're going to talk about how to connect with scripture. And here's what I always think about when, when we talk about this idea. This is not unlike something that we would talk about in church, right? I mean, after all, here we are, right? We're in church, so we're going to talk about that. But more particularly and more specifically, we are going to have a conversation about how to hear God's voice in God's word. And that's the conversation that I want to have. And because um, this has been a value that has been a part of the established value out here in Loxahatchee, uh, our teaching team came together and we decided we thought it would be a good idea if maybe I would broadcast and begin to tee up our conversation to all of our campuses. We don't do this often. We do it every now and again. And so we're going to do it today. And I'm going to start uh, this conversation about how to hear God's voice in God's word. So I was thinking about this and I want you to get in with me on this idea. You know, one of the hallmarks of being a follower of Jesus, right? One of the benefits of um, connecting with a living God is this idea that you and I can have a relationship with this living God. And that you and I, and part of it, what it means, of course, to have a relationship is to have some communication and to have, uh, you know, to understand and learn to hear one another's voice above all of the chaos that sometimes happens around us. I can remember when um, Beth and I were young in our parenting, and the girls were very young, as a matter of fact. And I can remember that my wife developed this skill almost from the very beginning that we could be in a room filled with people, 
and our girls could be in a room on the other side of the house, and my wife could hear their voices through all of the crowd and all of the clamor of whatever else was going on around us. And if you're a mom in the room, you probably understand what that's like. I mean, we could, we could be in a room, we could have all kinds of people uh, in our home, and if the girls were on the other side of the house and one of them said something or called out to Beth, you know, she could just hear it. She could just hear that voice. In fact, I remember one of the stories that comes to my mind, I can remember one night, it was Friday, we'd take Friday off, Friday's date night, and we had, we had, you know, we had done all of the chores and responsibilities. We put the girls to bed and we were going to watch a movie. And I was thinking, you know, we're going to be on the couch together, maybe a little romance, maybe a little kissing, a little hugging. And right when I put my, my, my best Barney Fife move on my wife, you know, and put my arm around her, she goes, I hear Shelly. And I can remember saying, I don't think you hear Shelly. I think it's a cat outside. And she goes, no, I can, I can hear. I said, no, really, you can't hear. Well, it was Shelly, and I spent the night on the couch, and I can, I can remember that. But um, this is kind of, in a way, what I'm wanting us to think about, especially in our relationship with God. Uh, my grandmother on my mom's side was very influential in my relationship with uh, Christ, and uh, my, my grandmother, I wish you could have met her, she was very diminutive in size, she was really short, and she was simple of means, but she had a deep and profound faith. And I can remember that we would go visit her. In fact, our youngest daughter, Shelly, is named after my grandmother, Shelly. And I can remember when we would go visit her, and um, she just had an influence on me. She was one of the best cooks in the world, and she would cook all of the best Southern food you'd ever want to eat. It, it was the kind of food that today it would kill you, right? But you would die with a smile on your face, you know, is that, that kind of food. And uh, my, my grandmother would sometimes sing when she was preparing food. And there was a time I remember her singing a hymn, and, and every time I hear this hymn, maybe you've heard it, it is a hymn that reminds me of my grandmother, and it was a, it was a hymn entitled, In the Garden. And the hymn, uh, the words of it went like this, I go to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses, and the voice I hear calling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And then the refrain of the hymn says this, and he walks with me. And he talks with me, and he tells me I'm his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. One of the things that's sad to me, sometimes when I hear people describe their walk with God, is they describe it in this monochromatic, one-dimensional way, almost as though you know, the only dimension to the relationship is this performance standard of do's and don'ts. And whenever I hear that, I, I'm always sad inside as a pastor because there's literally so much more to our relationship with God than that. And in fact, um, this is exactly the kind of thing that I want us to have a conversation about. Uh, I learned a long time ago, somebody who was mentoring me when I first became a follower of Jesus um, shared some very interesting things to me about learning to distill and to hear the voice of God. And they shared two things, in fact, that were really important for me to learn. And these are some of the things that I want to teach us this morning. 
as we begin to have a conversation about this. And, and I think of it this way. First of all, hearing God's voice is not really for just a select few people. Um, sometimes, if you're around fellow believers, you can, you can get the idea that actually to hear God's voice is only for a few select special people. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes pastors can make you feel that way. Uh, it's not uncommon even in our own congregation, in our own community here at Community of Hope, that sometimes you guys will even, in a way, I think, honor pastors, and you'll say things to us like this. Hey, when you're saying prayers, would you say a prayer for me because I know that you have a special line to God. I don't want you to leave our church when I tell you this, but I actually don't have a special line to God. I hope you're not disappointed. But I will tell you something I do have, and it's something I think you can have too. I have developed over time the ability and the muscle memory to hear God's voice. And I think you can have the same thing too. Uh, But sometimes I think it, we, we think of it this way, that to hear God's voice is only for a select few. And very early on in my Christian walk, somebody taught me that that's actually not true. The other thing that I, I've learned, and they didn't really say it specifically to me, but I began to distill it as I began to walk with God, and that is that hearing God's voice doesn't have to be weird. Can I just shout out and call out for a moment, sometimes Christians are weird. Can I get an amen? Never <laughs> been around a weird Christian? Uh, I can tell you, and I've shared before, when I was around 15 or 16, and I was navigating what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, and I really had really high on the radar, you know, this idea of authenticity. If it didn't feel real to me, I would be kind of turned off by it. And I can remember sometimes, even when I was that young and navigating faith, being turned off by Christians who are just, quite honestly, weird. And sometimes when we talk about learning to hear God's voice, we, we think it's, it's only for the weird people. And I want to say this morning that that's not true. In fact, I remember a comedian, maybe you've heard the name Lily Tomlin. How many of y'all know her? Many years ago, Lily Tomlin said this, and I think she's on to something. She said, why is it? She said that when we talk to God, it's normal and it's called prayer. But when God talks to us, It's abnormal, and we call it mental illness. (laughs) And here's what I want you to understand this morning. You as a follower of Jesus, you as someone who has a relationship with a living God, God wants to create space for you to have a conversation with him. And conversation goes both ways. It doesn't have to be weird. One of my friends... um, told me a joke years ago. It's, my, it's really, honestly, it's my favorite joke, so maybe some of you have even heard it because I like to tell it. And it's, it's a joke that involves a little petty thief who breaks into a church on a Sunday night. And when he gets into this church, you know, what he's going to do is his idea is that he thought mistakenly that they hold the offering in the office, so he's going to break into the church and steal a Sunday morning offering. And, and, and even though he's a petty thief, he's a little nervous because, after all, this is a church. And he has a little sense of guilt about that, but he, he breaks into the office and finally gets into this inner office. And right when he steps into this inner office, he thinks he hears a voice. And the voice says, be careful, Jesus is watching you. 
And, and he thought, he shrugs it off. He goes, must be a figment of my imagination. After all, I am in breaking into a church. I'm a little guilt-ridden about the idea. And he starts to rummage through and he hears it again. Be careful, Jesus is watching you. And finally he realizes, I actually think that's a real voice. And he takes his flashlight and he begins to move it around the room. And he, and he points over into this corner. And when he gets over into the, and points the light into the corner, he sees in the corner, he sees this large bird cage. And inside the bird cage is a parrot. And the parrot is literally saying, be careful, Jesus is watching you. And he says to himself out loud in that moment, he said, what kind of idiot? would put a birdcage in a church office, stuff a parrot in there, and then teach that parrot to say, be careful, Jesus is watching you. And the, and the parrot says immediately back to him, the same idiot who named that Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> Come on, you can tell all your friends that later. But sometimes, sometimes we think hearing God's voice has to be weird. And what I want to tell you all is this. Doesn't have to be weird. It can be the most natural thing. In fact, probably for many of us, it's the next click in our faith journey. Um, I learned a long time ago that if you study the long arc of Christianity, what I mean by that is if you read the scriptures, and maybe you look a little bit at church history, and you listen to some podcasts, and you do some reading, and you listen to some preachers and some teachers. There are two big ideas that begin to emerge about us as humanity and our relationship with this living God, and one is this. I hope you'll never forget it. God um, wants your attention. Right now, right? Right now, every single one of us has things going on in our lives for which God is trying to get your attention. And what I don't mean by that necessarily is that God is putting roadblocks in the way, he's putting speed bumps, he's throwing things in your path so that you trip over them, although he's God and he's sovereign and he reserves the right to do that. That's not really what I'm pointing to, but like any good father... God is wanting to get your attention and the attention of his children to have conversations with them about what we're experiencing. We are living in a day and a season and a time filled with all kinds of anxiety. And here's what I know about me and here's what I know about you. God is looking for your attention. The second thing is simply this. God also wants your affection. He wants his relationship with you to matter. He loves you unconditionally. He wants to pour his favor and his blessing and his goodness into your life. One of my favorite verses of Scripture comes from the pen of the Apostle Paul, who is writing to a very cantankerous church, the church at Corinth. And in fact, when I was studying for ministry, one of, one of my biblical uh, professors, my biblical scholars, knew so many of us who were in class were going to go out and be pastors, and he said this, I'll never forget one day, he said, every one of us should at least one time pastor 
a difficult church. Everybody who pastors should pastor a Corinthian church. It'll help you grow up. And just for the record, that's not this church, by the way. But Paul was writing, and then he made this incredible statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, however it is written, he says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what, is, what no human mind has conceived are the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So one of the things I want us to understand this morning, right, is that um, God is wanting your attention. And of course, the other thing I want us to know is God is wanting your affection. Now, here's what I find that's interesting. Your attention and your affection are the very two things the world also wants from you. And I don't know about you, but if you look around right now in our world, it it would look a lot like the world has our attention. And if I were to be really honest with you this morning, which I'm going to be, right, sometimes I even see that within the church and within and among church people. The world is clamoring for your attention. One of the pastors that I respect and that I'm doing some reading from is a man by the name of John Tyson. He pastors a church called Church of the City in New York. And John Tyson um, makes this observation that he said, you know, it's interesting. He said, sometimes followers of Jesus are criticized because we like to evangelize, meaning we like to share our faith with people who might not profess our faith. We like to share it in a way that uh, maybe they would come to understand our faith and, and accept it. But he said, what's interesting sometimes is that argument is put out there as though we're the only ones who are doing the evangelizing. And he said, really what I want to make the observation and say is this, our whole world is evangelizing 24-7. You're being evangelized today for your political narrative You're being evangelized today around a particular narrative of our culture. You're being evangelized today about a particular product or a particular brand or a particular company or store. The question really isn't whether or not we're all being evangelized. The question really becomes, are we being evangelized toward good news? This is a thing. This is a thing. And so this is why I want to say really to not only the audience here and to those streaming, but to all of our campuses live over in West Palm and over in Lake Worth is, is we want as pastors the opportunity to have a conversation with you about how to help you hear God's voice in God's word. It might surprise you to know something uh, about kind of a value that I have as a senior pastor, maybe even as a founding pastor. And it might surprise you to understand that um, I believe my biggest assignment that I have as a pastor at Community of Hope is not to convince you of my point of view. might surprise you to know that because I, I, I think you would know I have a point of view. I think you would know um, I share my point of view Uh, on the weekend, and obviously this is an experience I would even say part of me is hoping that you'll understand and accept and agree 
and move toward my point of view. And that's a big assignment I have. But here's what I want you to know. It's not my biggest assignment. Can I tell you what I think my biggest assignment is? It's this. It's me helping you learn to hear God's voice so that you can distill for yourself God's point of view. That's the bigger assignment. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a whole month. And what we're going to do in this month is we're going to try to distill for you and help all of you understand how to hear God's voice and how to move toward that voice around the other voices that are clamoring for your attention and for your affection. Because here's what I have learned even more recently, that whatever gets your attention and whatever gets your devotion gets you. In fact, I was listening to a podcast this past week while I was driving around, and this guy made this really interesting observation. He said, he said, do you ever notice like people who have pets? How many, raise your hand if you have a pet. That's a lot of us in the room. You ever notice that some people who um, have pets, if they have pets long enough, they start to look like their pets? <laughs> I had actually never thought of that. I did a little research. Turns out he's actually right. Let me show you some pictures. Look at that. I get to share that one because he's obviously in the ministry, so this is one I get to share. Here's another one. Check this one out. <laughs> not bad, not bad. There's another one here I want to show you. Yeah? Okay. All right. This is pretty good. You want to see my favorite? This is my favorite. And uh, Ryan, when he was putting together, he did that. <laughs> I want you to know before church, and we're running through these, Zach, who leads our tech ministry, said, Pastor Dale, I can't tell which one's which. Where do you want me to put your name? (laughs) Not fair, Zach. Not fair. But don't miss the idea of what I'm saying. What um, ever gets your attention and your affection, it gets you. I was thinking about a passage of Scripture, um, actually a series of Scriptures, that help distill the first thing I want us to know as a congregation, as congregations around this important idea. And I want to read to you just some verses from the Gospel of John. Now, John is an amazing gospel. We know there are four, right? Say them with me, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, John's gospel is unique because scholars think that he actually wrote a good portion of his narrative around the life and ministry of Jesus. He wrote it from the upper room. So he's thinking about the upper room experience. So in a way, we almost get to be sort of like, you know, flies on the wall. When Jesus was in the upper room before he stepped across the Kidron Valley and was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and crucified and buried and resurrected. And um, so John is writing this gospel, and he begins in chapter 14 with a very interesting statement. It's really one of the most famous statements of Jesus. And in John 14, verses 1 and 2, he says it this way. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house, it has many rooms. And if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? 
Now, let me give you an idea of what's going on here. Jesus has pulled all the disciples together in the upper room, and this is that moment of declaration when he is telling the disciples that he's going to go away, that he's going to leave them. And I want to almost hit a pause there for a moment. I want to ask you, so think with me about this, what's happening in this experience. So these are uh, a group of common men who left their trades, left their family, left whatever creature comforts they had, and then they began to follow Jesus. They followed this itinerant rabbi around for three years, coming to believe that he was God in human flesh, right? And then there's this incredible moment where Jesus pulls everybody into the, into the upper room and he tells them, hey, by the way, I'm going to be leaving you. So imagine all of the feeling, all of the emotion. Imagine all the anxiety connected with that. And so, you know, that would have been quite a feeling for them. But actually, he's setting up for them really what I want us to understand and what I want us to explore across these next several weeks because he's setting up quite an incredible thing for all of us to to grapple with and to understand. A little bit later in the gospel, we get over to verse 15. And when we get to verse 15, I want to show it to you. It says this. He said, if you love me, he said, there's that affection part, right? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now, here's what's going on. So you you get this. Jesus is saying, I'm going to leave you physically, but I'm going to leave someone else behind to help you. And if you look at the Greek, I would want you to understand this translation because it actually says this. If you love me, keep my commandments, I will ask the Father, he will give you another advocate. And advocate actually means counselor. Life coach. Um, uh, personal confidant. Leader. We would say Lord, Messiah. So in all of the anxiety they were experiencing, he was saying, I'm going to send you an advocate. He's going to be your perfect counselor, and he'll be with you forever. And in fact, he is the spirit of truth. Truth is on short supply in our culture. And Jesus is saying in this verse that he will be our truth. In fact, I think of it this way. How do we learn truth? Well, we learn truth, right, by being around truth. And Jesus is literally saying we learn truth by being around him. At another point in the Gospels, Jesus said it this way. My word, my word, it's truth. Some of you know other time he said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so this is a really important concept. And in John 14, 26, I want you to notice this last thing. This is what I want us to get on all of our campuses today. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. And this is how it happens to all of us. He will, first of all, he will teach you all things. Imagine, you and I have an opportunity to sit through the power of the Holy Spirit under the teaching ministry 
of Jesus and learn his truth. I was reading recently um, that an interesting kind of provocative thought, think with me about this, that most of us no longer in our nation, most of us really in larger parts of the you know, uh, world, we no longer get our news feed from a news source. We get all of our news feed from social media which doesn't really sound all that provocative, really, until you think about it, that most of our social media comes through powerful companies that own that social media, filled, and these are led by people with powerful personal interests who build algorithms to point you toward their narrative of truth. That ought to frighten every single one of us. But contrast that to a God who says, I will teach you all things. I will teach you what is true. And then lastly, I want you to notice he says this, I will remind you of everything that I've said to you. I don't know about you, but I have a good suspicion. You're like me. We forget. Uh, Right now, um, my mom is going through a struggle with her eyes. She has glaucoma. And uh, it's, a, it's a journey. I mean, she's, she's on, it's a struggle. And uh, a lot of times, uh, as a son, what I will do is when she goes to certain appointments with the doctor that are elevated appointments, I take her because I want to hear what the doctor says and help her navigate her care. It's one of the things I do, and then I take her to dinner. And it's always fun for me, and it's fun because we still get in arguments, and she wants to pay, and, and I, I want to pay, and I, you know, she goes, no, you should never pay for your mother. I said, I'm just thinking of all the things you paid for over the years, right? You know, but here's an interesting thing. Whenever I sit down with my mom, I ask her questions about her growing up and her generation. Why? Because I want to remember, and I want to transfer it on. This is what... Jesus will do for us. You and I have an incredible opportunity to hear God's voice in God's word. So before I turn it over back to the campus pastors, I'm gonna show a screen and I want everybody right now to take out your phone. Grab your phone right now. And I want you to scan this QR code. Just grab it real quick and scan this QR code and here's what we're gonna do. That QR code is gonna take you to a reading plan And here's part of the exercise over the next five weeks. We're going to all read a portion of God's word the same time together. And that's going to open up for you a plan that you can start. Today actually is day three of this plan. You can either adjust the plan so that it's on day three or just catch up. And tomorrow, I think we're reading day four, which is July 4th. We'll be reading in Hebrews chapter one. And I want to encourage, here's what we're going to ask. We're going to ask all of us as a church family, let's all read together to see if we can hear God's voice in God's word. And here's what the pastors are going to do. Over the next five weeks together, we're going to preach from something we read the previous week. 
So in a way that when you come next Sunday, you'll get to hear a message around something, and this will be our understanding of what we heard. So we're modeling for you, right, how to hear God's voice in God's word. I'm really, really excited about this, and I think it's going to be an incredible opportunity for us together as a church family. We strive to hit this value every single year. Lord, help us to remember. Help us, oh God, be willing and courageous to do whatever it is that we need to do that would move us into a space, into a disposition where we can learn to better hear your voice, that your voice would be the leading voice through all the clamor and confusion of our world. This is the privilege for those of us who call you our Lord our forgiver and our friend. Make that possible as we learn together for we pray in Jesus' precious name and everyone said, amen. Go in his grace. Happy 4th of July weekend. We'll see you next weekend.